We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, where we, along with you, try to live faithfully 168 hours of every week uh, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm here with both Brother Christian and Brother Brandon tonight. How are you guys doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's good to be all back on the podcast together, Brother Rob. Uh, it's it's just a, a wonderful thing to to record another episode with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, feeling is mutual. It's good to have us all back together, man. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And tonight we have a um, a, a good topic, um, something that is definitely needed in our world today. Tonight we're talking about um, God's um, intention for um, sexual relations. And, and so we're going to talk about sex and, and how it is, is good. It was designed by God. Um, the first commandment of God is for us to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, and so it is good. It starts at the, the very beginning. Um, but along the way, as we tend to do, as we, as sinners tend to do, we mess things up and we have introduced um, ways in which we can uh, manipulate God's plan for us um, to, to really just go into the desires of our own hearts and our own minds and our own thoughts. Um, and, and so we're going to talk about what it means to, to live by God's standards and, and what happens when we don't. Uh, and so today we're going to start off in, in reading Romans chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 24. The Word of God says, Therefore God delivered them over in the cravings of their heart to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served something created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. This is why God delivered them over to degrading passions. For even their females exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The males in the same way also left the natural relations with females and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Males committed shameless act with males and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a worthless mind to do what is morally wrong. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, uh, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Although they know full well God's just sentence, that those who practice such deserve to die, they not only do them, but applaud others who practice them. Brother Brandon, I think you're gonna gonna start us off here and some uh, expository and as well as some connections with other scripture. Uh yeah. So this passage in Romans is really a good place to begin because Romans begins where all of us do when it comes to our sexuality and sexual uh, relationships. 
And that is, uh, we begin in the corruption of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, have sinful inclinations and predispositions uh, to misuse and abuse the good gift of sex that God has given us. Uh, but it is a good thing, you know. It's just that it's we we tend to corrupt it by our sin. And as you mentioned so helpfully, Brother Rob, it was a good thing that was created in perfection in the Garden of Eden, and it was one of the first commands that man was ever given. As you'll recall in Genesis one twenty-eight, God blessed Adam and Eve as a married uh, couple, and he said, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so God's intended design for them was to uh, procreate, to engage in sexual relations as a married couple and to have as many children as possible to subdue the earth and have dominion over all other created things. But of course, when sin enters the picture, only two chapters later, this good gift of God gets abused, and that's where we find ourselves fast-forwarding now to Romans chapter 1, and Paul says that because of sin, God gave man over to sin, and one of the consequences of being given over to sin is, once once again, misusing and abusing this good gift that we've been given, and Paul doesn't mention every type of sexual immorality or sexual sin here, but he does talk about uh, homosexuality quite a bit here, especially in verses 26 through 27. Uh, but it is a pretty broad category. There's a lot of ways, you know, in which sinful men and women have corrupted and abused this good gift, unfortunately. And uh, the good thing is that even though we have uh, tattered this good thing that God has made, it can be redeemed. Uh, we can you know, get very close to the sort of restoration and perfection that we found in the Garden of Eden. Um, but, uh, and we'll cover some of that as we go along, of course. Uh, but that's sort of a broad view of the, the whole topic, um, just yeah. some, uh, summarily speaking. Yeah. And, and when we talk about this too, like there's, there's this idea, well, why is it important? Why should we talk about it? And Honestly, here's why we should talk about it, because uh, people say it's not a big topic, but I listen to secular news every day just because I want to see what's out in the world. And I can tell you for the past several years, the main topic that I hear about every day, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a war going on in Ukraine. There's there's a lot of political unrest. There's so many different things going on, but the one thing that's consistent that I hear about every day uh, is homosexuality, uh, really focusing on the LGBTQ community. And what we see is that homosexuality is, is a product of denying our creation and who created us. And so we see that, you know, as Paul is writing this, that it starts out with they worship the creature rather than the creator. And, and that can yeah. mean a whole lot of things for today. If we if we put our desires before God's will, then we are worshiping the creature because we are, in a sense, a creature. Now, there were a lot of other things being worshipped at this time, literally animals and created mm-hmm. things made by 
the hands of man. But ultimately right. what happens in this unfaithfulness, in this moving away from our creator, we start first with, before we get to this long list of other sins, uh, one of our most basic parts of creation and that is our sexuality and our, our ability to reproduce. And and I don't know about y'all, but I think it's pretty simple that that to reproduce, which is what our creation really is designed to do. It's one of the the driving forces of nature. So when we talk about a natural relationship, the driving force of nature is to reproduce. Yeah. And uh they haven't made it to where a man and a man, a biological, let me rephrase that, a biological man and a biological man can't reproduce together. Uh, and a biological woman and a biological woman cannot reproduce together. But I think this this whole conundrum comes from this, following our own desires. And if mm-hmm. there's one thing that we're warned throughout scripture not to do, is to follow our own desires. And I like, you know, what, what Paul writes in Colossians one six, uh, and this, this helps us understand our creation a little bit better for by him who is Christ, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him. And here's, here's the big point right here and for him. And so we have to ask ourselves when it comes to anything, what is our purpose? And so as a human being, what is our purpose? Our purpose as the creature, as the creation, is to worship the creator and follow in his will, putting our our will aside, our desires aside. And, and I have a lot of desires that don't align with the will of God, uh, you know, and and you, you can go down a whole list and all of us have desires that don't align with the will of God. Uh, I, I'd like to be a millionaire that might not align with the will of God, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that would be cool, but, uh, it's, it's just not aligning with the will of God. I know where he has me. Uh, I, I'm not here to be a businessman and, and do all that, but to serve him. And so in doing that, my purpose is to serve him and in everything I should serve him. My job, my family, my community, and even my sexuality should bring glory to him. And so it does not bring glory to him when we go against the simple natural creation of why he created us that way. Uh, And and so uh, we see that Early on in Genesis, what does he say when he creates man in his own image? Uh, he says, let them be fruitful and multiply. Uh, Jesus re-states re as he's talking about marriage, that marriage should be between who? One man and one woman. And so he he's, has a specific design for our marriage. And Paul even talks about marriage. Uh, in, in the sense, and, and that's when, and let me tell you, when I'm saying marriage, you're like, well, you don't have to be married to have any type of sexual relations, but that's what also God intended marriage for. Sexual yeah, relations right. uh, were were confined to marriage, holy matrimony. And so 
when uh, we come together in marriage, Paul writes this in, in Ephesians chapter six, you see where he shows that even in our marriage, we have certain roles as man and as woman, that that woman is to submit to man as she is to the Lord, but the man is also supposed to love the woman and give himself for her just as Christ did for the church. And so the woman is, is the ultimate picture of the church in a marriage relationship. And the man is the picture of Christ in a relationship. And you can't have the gospel story showing in a marriage unless there is one man mm -hmm. and one woman, just as there is one Lord and one church. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, that, that's it, that, and that's why we talk about it. It's an important topic, and and I don't I don't appreciate that people say that we need to shut up about it. But they can talk all day long on a radio station that is funded by taxpayers, mm -hmm. like NPR and, and places like that. They do talk about it a lot, and and I like hearing the opposing views and things like that, but you know, that they're, they're very supportive of it, but they talk about it all day long. And then when we bring it up and say, well, here's how our creator created us. Oh, y'all need to stop talking about it. Why are y'all so fixated on it? We're not, we're just defending our faith because the world is really fixated on homosexuality right now. Yeah, yeah and I might interject and add at this point if uh, I think it's a you know good time to point out that you know as much as we're talking about um, scriptures teaching on the damaging consequences of sexual immorality and the fact that it is condemned by God at the same time anybody who is sexually immoral or has committed sexual immorality is loved by God and can be forgiven. Right, And yeah. there's not any of us who are free from, you know, sexual immorality and God has forgiven us much of that. Um, but you mm -hmm. see that in the Gospels where like Christ forgives the Samaritan woman for having many husbands and the right. woman caught in adultery in John chapter seven, I believe it was. But the reason we have to talk about the consequences of it is to basically show that this is why grace is so amazing. You know, right. this yeah. is why mercy from God for our sin is such a great thing. So, but we just wanted to make sure we pointed that out that anybody listening to this episode who is sexually immoral by the Bible's standards um, is not written off by God. You can be forgiven, uh, but you do need to hear the truth first, as all of us do. Right, and, and to also add to that is is not only is it forgivable, but uh, when when we are forgiven in it. If we're forgiven of such a great debt, we're we're called not to be entangled in it again. Yeah, and, and so you know, I've I've had a a pretty good ministry uh, with homosexual people in the sense that I witnessed to them. A lot of them just called me a, a homophobe and you know a bigot and things like that. But it comes down to a simple point: Are you going to follow God if not, or not? And if not. You can live for yourself, but you have to accept what the consequences are if we are right in the end, mm -hmm. which I yeah. believe we are completely right. Or are you going to live for God? And in that case, if you live for God, uh, we we need to to 
submit all of ourselves uh, to him. And, and, you know, think of what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 18 through 20. He talks about sexual immorality. And, and that that's like a blanket term for not just homosexuality, but fornication and adultery and anything else that you could think of that would be considered sexually immoral in that way that does not uh, show uh, glory to God uh, and, and doesn't match up to his creation. But he says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Hmm. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your, your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so when we belong to God, he says, don't live in it, but what? Flee from it. Yeah, And right. so uh, I, I will say this. Uh, I, I was a, uh, a liar before Christ. I was an angry person before Christ. Those were big parts of my identity. But when I came to Christ, I fleed from those sins. And, and no longer am I a liar. Uh, no longer am I an angry person, but I am a redeemed person. I've been purchased by the blood of Christ. And, and so I'm not shackled by that stuff anymore. And I mean, there's times where the temptation to do that, to be angry, to tell a lie pops up. But I have the Holy Spirit that helps me out and mm -hmm. says, hey, yeah. you've been down this path. You were dead in that path. Let's not let's not get entangled with that again. Yeah, I think that was a good point to bring up because uh, going back to that episode where the adulterous woman is brought to Jesus, you know, she uh, he says that I don't condemn you, but that's not the end. He says, go and sin no more. Right. So as mm -hmm. much as there is forgiveness for sexual immorality and all sins, what follows forgiveness is repentance, where mm -hmm. we do submit to the will of God and we fight tooth and nail against the temptations of our flesh and the world and the ones that the devil throws at us, of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, mm -hmm. both of those are important to emphasize, both forgiveness and repentance that follows. Yeah, absolutely. And that that really goes with, with what I was going to lead into next. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 27. Uh, this is Jesus giving his famous uh, Sermon on the Mount. He said, you have heard it um, that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I'll tell you, everyone who looks at a woman uh, to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so this goes to, to two different ideas. First of all, um, Jesus's idea of marriage is, is obviously from this one man and one woman. Uh, because committing mm -hmm. adultery, you have to be married um, and then... You have to, to go outside of the marriage bed for sexual encounters in order for you to commit right. adultery. Um, and so the idea um, is that Jesus already had in mind one male and one female for marriage. And so going outside of that even further goes into to the depravity of sexual immorality. Uh, however, what we see is that, that Jesus is taking it further. It's not just the act itself that is um, that is the sin, but it's even when we take those thoughts and we linger on them 
um, even in our our minds and in our hearts. It's the idea that that it's not just the act of homosexuality. It's not just the act of adultery. It's not just the the act of uh, fornication that are, are sinful, but it's the dwelling on those things. And so we ought not just flee from the act itself, but we ought to even flee from dwelling on those thoughts. We can't control um, the the temptation uh, that Satan is going to throw out there. Uh, Brother Chris was uh, yeah. doing a revival for me just the other day and uh, at, at my church, and uh, he was talking about Satan is kind of like a fisherman, and he casts the cast the line and sets the hook and the bait's right out there for us. Um, we have to be determined not to take that bait, no, no matter how good it looks, because the, on, on the other side of that bait is the hook. Um, and so if, if we're continually thinking about it, if we're continually not watching what our eyes see and what our hands touch, and that's what Jesus goes on to say right after this. He says, if you're, uh, if you're, right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Um, now, the good thing about this mm-hmm. is that all of Matthew chapter 5 is getting to the point where it says in verse 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. None of us meet that criteria. And so just like Brother Brandon said, God is, is gracious and his, his grace knows no bounds. When we ask for forgiveness, when we repent, truly repent, and that means the change of our mind away from sin and towards Jesus, uh, then he forgives us of all unrighteousness. Um, That includes the physical acts as well as the dwelling on the the mental um, acts of uh, adultery and fortification and homosexuality. Um, But I want to, to... go into another point that I, I think this brings up is I don't think that that God wants us to have certain relationships because he's just all powerful and has the authority to do it. Instead, I think it goes back to something Brother Chris brought up is that God designed us. In Colossians, it said, all things were made for him and by him and through him. And and so he designed us. And, and something interesting, if, uh, if my pen runs out of ink, it doesn't matter how many times I try to put it in the pencil sharpener, it's not going to work um, because the pencil sharpener was not made to put more ink into the pen. Um, God knows our bodies because he made us and he designed us for certain purposes. If we go outside of those designs, there are consequences for those. Sometimes they're physical. Um, And and we can look at all the diseases that come with not just homosexuality, although there are many, but also just all types of sexual immorality. Um, There there are physical diseases that that people have to deal with, but even more than that. And I I think brother Christian, I think you got some, some data for us. This, it's not good for our mental health either. Yeah. Well, well, like you said, brother Rob, uh, when you're talking about the pen, I, I, I bring up another analogy when I talk to people about this and I've, 
I've done extensive research and I've, I've done talks about this specifically for uh, churches and, and groups uh, to help them out on this topic. But I, I have this rake. I, I like to get rocks, you know, uh, out of the grass and stuff like that. And, and I, I bought this rake one time that was one of those really wide plastic rakes. And it said very specifically on the rake, use on leaves only. And, and because that's what it was created for. But even though it was created to rake leaves, I was able to rake up all of those rocks and get them in the, the right spot and use it for that and to help get, you know, other solid objects out of the way. And so even though it was designed for leaves, I could use it for other purposes. But what happened and why I had that warning on there, only use it for leaves, is because if you use it for anything more solid than leaves, it starts to break. And mm. eventually that rake becomes useless. And so you're exactly right. I don't think God says you must be heterosexual because I'm, I'm mean and I want to rain on your parade. He says, right. I've created this relationship for you because it's the best thing for you. And I'm mm -hmm. warning you that all you're going to do is find death and destruction uh, in the relationships that I did not create you for. And I do have statistics. Uh, you, you see uh, right there where it says uh, that that the women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relationships with women. And it says something very important. And were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And, and these are some staggering statistics. And, I, and I'd like you to know that these aren't statistics that I pulled from Christian resources. These were secular resources that determined some of these things going out. But when we're talking about homosexuality and, and, and what goes on there, this is, this is staggering. I don't, I don't even know what else to call this, but 28% of homosexual men have had more than 1,000 partners, according to Bell and Weinberg. And, and you want to break it down, 83% of homosexual men surveyed estimated that they had sex with 50 or more partners. So the greater majority have had 50 or more partners. 43% estimated they had had sex with 500 or more partners. And of course, that staggering statistic, 28% of uh, 1,000 or more partners, and that was written by the psychologist Bell and Weinberg, where they studied homosexuality, not in a sense to disprove it or make it bad, but to simply understand it. Uh, and, and not only that, that leads to a, a lot of other things as well. You know, we talk about some of the, the physical problems, uh, and we, we see, uh, let's see, right here, uh, that that a lot of them, uh, a lot of homosexual men were were contracting AIDS, and it was it was a very big uh, epidemic at the time. Right. And the there was a study that was taken, thinking that maybe men homosexual men would have less partners after the AIDS pandemic, but it went from having on average, six partners a month, which I'll mind you, 
a heterosexual man, which this is still wrong, uh, has an average of six partners in their lifetime. A homosexual man has, on average at that point, six partners a month. It only went down to two, to to most of homosexual Mm. men reporting that they only had four partners per a month. Uh, and not only that, but we see within the LGBTQ community, th- this crazy thing that happened uh, concerning, uh, you know, suicide and things like that. And, and so there was this idea back in the 90s that, that you know, here's how we take care of the suicide rate. Because back in the 90s, the LGBTQ community, which at that time, it wasn't as popular, it wasn't as celebrated uh, they were two times more likely to commit suicide than the heterosexual uh, community, and w- which is actually a very that's that's a huge number, you know, when we think about how large the heterosexual community is compared to the homosexual community. Uh, <laughs> that two per- they're two percent more likely to uh, two times more likely to commit suicide. But these these psychologists and and other people thought, well, here's the best way to to make that number better. Instead of telling them that these aren't healthy relationships, let's go ahead and tell them, hey, go all in. You know, th- this is this is you. Uh, you know, celebrate it. Uh, be prideful over it. And now we're in 2023, going on 2024, and the LGBTQ community is supported by 84% of Americans. People are, are having parades. Uh, people are posting on social media their support. Mm-hmm. One of the most celebrated communities in the United States of America, not in the world, but in the United States of America, yeah, they are one of the right. most supported communities. And now the number is they are four to five times more likely to commit suicide. Mm, that's really and sad. So, and, and yeah, it's sad because what they thought was going to help actually made it worse. They thought, okay, well, they're being persecuted. And I, I want this to be understood. You should never persecute a homosexual person. Never. They yeah. are a creation of God. They are loved by God. They d- deserve dignity and respect. But agreeing with people isn't, or disagreeing with people, isn't dignity and respect. It's just, you know, hey, I don't think this is right. You think it's right. Why do you think it's right? Why do I think it's wrong? And this is what the discussion we're having today. But four to five times more likely. So now we see that the problem wasn't persecution. The, because if it, the problem was persecution, then we would have an equal playing field on this. Yeah, right. That's a really of, good point. Of, of suicide. Uh, but not only this. One of the worst things about a relationship is infidelity. That really takes a very large toll on someone's mental health. Uh, and, and there's an extremely low rate of sexual fidelity among homosexual men as compared to married heterosexual people. And, and so among married females, 85% reported that they had a good relationship, that they believed that their their male partner uh, was, was faithful among married men, 75.5% reported sexual fidelity, but among homosexual males, 
uh, in their current relationship, only 4.5% reported sexual fidelity. Uh, and that was uh, a study produced by the Social Organization of Sexuality. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, we, we get these extreme numbers. These, and, and we don't talk about these numbers. These aren't numbers that are brought up quite often because what it does is it shows that something isn't happening that's good. And media, you know, makes it even worse by portraying this as, you know, this is pride. Love is love. And, and, you know, but there's a lot of things I love that aren't good for me. You know, I mm. love triple classic cheeseburgers from Wendy's. But if I, if I indulge myself in those, I, I'm going to have a heart attack one day. And, and so I have to really think about that because they're not good for my body. Maybe I need to move to something healthier. Uh, and not the salads from Wendy's because those are just as bad for you <laughs> yeah. in a lot of cases. But, you know, when you hear these statistics, what do y'all think? Like the, these are, these are secular statistics. These aren't Christian scientists, but, but what does that even lead y'all to? Yeah, it's pretty troubling stuff, man. I mean, it's good stats though. It's like, it, it's unbiased, you know, it comes from the secular world. So it, it doesn't have this curve to it where it's you know believers trying to discredit uh homosexual practice and all other sexual um immoralities uh but yeah it's really sad and i mean it just sheds light on everything god says about sin in scripture is that it's not good for you and yeah. that it will only lead to destruction death and damnation i mean you know yeah. it's it's kind of like uh there's always going to be trouble when we do not do things God's way. We yeah. see that all throughout the scripture. And when we do not submit to his will in this area, there's just going to be consequences that ensue. And uh, there's sad consequences. Some of them are irreversible even. And uh, really what God wants for us is just the best. It may not be what we think is the best, you know, um, but ultimately what God deems as good is ultimately good for us. Right. Yeah, and this isn't to bully anybody or, or to bring anyone down, but we have to come to this understanding. If you're going to follow Christ, you need to follow his design. If you don't want to follow Christ, you can live by whatever design you want to. But again, as I said before, you have to come to this understanding that if we are right, that God is real, that his design for us is is to be in a heterosexual relationship, you have to weigh the cost there and say, so there could be a creator and he wants the best for me. And he's telling me what the best is. I need to accept it or I need to reject it. But if you reject it, there's only one person to blame when you stand before that judgment seat of Christ. And it's not that Jesus didn't want you to spend eternity with him. It's that you in this life never wanted to spend eternity with him. And so when he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. It's breaking his heart more than anyone else's because he died for you. He died to cover your sins and you didn't allow that to happen. You didn't, you didn't submit yourself to him. And so there's only one person to blame when you stand before Christ and, and that's yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, something that, that I think about quite often, um, is, is my desire for 
I mean, everybody, of course, but especially those that I love because I have many family members that fall into the LGBTQ plus community. My desire for them is is not that they would be straight, um, but that they would fall in, in love with Jesus because in Jesus they mm-hmm. find a true sense of identity. Because if you really want to think mm-hmm. about it, LGBTQ plus is just finding identity. That, that's why the young generation right now is, is something like 35, 40%, uh, maybe even more now identifying as LGBTQ plus it's because they can't find identity in anything else. Um, and so they, they right. find people and they find communities, but the thing is, is there's no better community. There's, there's no better fellowship. There's no better identity than being a child of God because there's nobody that loves you more than Jesus. There's nobody that wants you to prosper mm-hmm. spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally more than Jesus. He has a, a good plan and a purpose for each one of us. We have to make the decision whether or not we're going to walk in that plan. And our hope for you guys, our hope for our, our families, our, our hope for our communities, our, our world, our country, is simply that, that people would fall in love with Jesus and understand that we have identity in Christ and there's no better identity that in that identity, we're called a, a chosen people. We're called Kings and priests. We're, we're called uh, chosen. We're called the elect. God has good things in store for his children. And what we can see through the statistics, what we can see through the scripture, what we can see even through empirical evidence of, of just what happens to to people that we love. There was a um, somebody that I worked with at the prison uh, when I was I was working at the prison who I thought was a male. Um, he or she presented herself as a male. She had had the the top surgery. Um, nobody had told me that she wasn't a male, and so I just assumed that she was uh, a male. And and then. After I left, the uh, I, I found out that she committed suicide. She had had all the surgeries. the The mm-hmm. army actually paid for her to have all the surgeries. Um, she was presenting herself as male. Everybody thought she was a male, um, but that did not satisfy her. And the reason it did not satisfy her is because there was a longing in her heart. There's a longing in in all of our hearts to be accepted. And the only way that we're truly accepted is through the grace and mercy of, of our great um, God and, and King. And so uh, that's my closing remarks. Brother Christian, do you have any closing remarks for, for this topic? Yeah, I, I would say this too. In Christ, we actually find t- uh, two sexualities that, that, uh, are condoned and, and yeah. bring glory to God. The first one being heterosexuality. And the second one is actually something that the LGBTQ plus community has recently taken on in the past couple of years or so, but asexuality that if you're not going to 
find a husband or wife and multiply and bring glory to God in that way, that you can remain someone that's solely devoted, not to a husband or wife, but solely devoted to God. And, singleness. And so, yeah, singleness. And, and so asexuality is is what some people call it. But, but, you know, just saying instead of focusing on marriage in this world, I'm going to focus on my relationship with God and serve him. And, and so I, I believe this fully, that when you come to Christ, he changes your life completely. He changed my life completely. And if you're a part of the LGBTQ community, I can tell you this. I've had adults and students that have talked to me about this. And one one young lady, uh, after hearing me talk on this subject before and presenting some of these statistics and, and having a conversation, an open dialogue with everybody, allowing them to disagree with me if they want to, she said, I want to hate you so much, but at the same time, I can tell that you truly do care for me and love me. And I'm confused on how you can love me, but deny this part of me. And I simply just had to tell her similar, something similar to what brother Rob said is that that's not part of your identity. That, that is the, Hmm. that is one of the smallest parts of us. And when we put our identity in anything other than Christ, it's always going to fail us. It's always going to let us down. If I find my identity in my wife, my wife's going to let me down and there my identity will fall as well. If I put my identity in my job, when my job gets rough, man, my identity is going to come crashing to the ground. But when I put my identity in Christ, he never lets me down and I am safe and secure in him. And so she had this confusion. How can I see that you truly do love me. And it's because I find my identity in Christ. He leads me to love all. And to love all, I must speak the truth and reveal to them that they can have the same joy, the hope, and peace and salvation that I have if they find their identity in Christ as well. Amen. Brother Brandon, any closing thoughts? Yeah, just... uh... Second all that, man, I mean, I think we covered a lot of good ground that it's one of those things um, that sin has brought a curse upon, but it is another one of those things that Christ has redeemed by his grace and something that we can use for his honor and glory as mm-hmm. his same uh, sovereign saving grace enables us. So, Absolutely. You know, it, it's interesting. I, I teach 10th grade world history at um, Hopkinsville High School. <laughs> And, you know, last year was my first year teaching. And what I found is that the, the kids who were drawn to me the most, the ones that come to me with their problems, who trusted me, um, the ones that um, were able to, to be open and honest and seek advice and counsel and just have somebody that they could trust, uh, were often members of the LGBTQ plus community. And it's because I love them unconditionally. Um, some of them even asked me my thoughts on it. And, and I said, if, if I can talk to you, frankly, I, I can tell you my thoughts. It's, you're not going to like them. Uh, but at the same time, I love you and I'm here for you. And you can come to me with any problems. And, and people, especially in the LGBTQ plus community, are just seeking 
love and acceptance, not acceptance of the sin that we can't do that because we have to accept whatever God says. However, we can accept a person as a, a person that God desires to have a relationship with. Um, and so we are to love. And I think, I think that sums it all up that we are personally called to love and to serve everyone sinners of, of all types, shapes, forms, and fashion. And I believe that if we do that, we'll see people come to Jesus. And I think that's one of the sins of the church um, is that we've taken uh, the holiness of God without the grace of God. But the Bible says that, that Jesus was full of both grace and truth. Uh, we, can't, yeah. we can't have one without the other. Um, and so my hope and, and prayer for for all of our listeners, as well as myself and my brothers here, um, is that we would love um, unconditionally, but we would also stand boldly on the truth of the Word of God. And, and I believe that that Jesus, through His Holy Spirit, can change lives, hearts, and minds even today. Uh, Brother Brandon, would Amen. you care to, to close us out in a word of prayer? Absolutely. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this episode today. Thank you for the truth that you give us in Scripture, uh, the truth that is sometimes hard to receive and believe and digest and wrestle with. But, uh, Lord, we're thankful that the truth is what sets us free. And we just pray that uh, you might set all of our listeners free by the truth, continue to set all, uh, each of us free by the truth of your word, and help us most of all to live faithfully for Christ uh, the next 168 hours of the week. And we pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.